Thanks, Sue. Yeah, uh, so Bobby and I go way back um, to our days at Moody Bible Institute, and then we work together in youth ministry, and uh, so I've known Bobby for, man, closing in on 30 years, which is crazy, but, um, and our wives go back even further, so they've known each other since they were little, uh, and uh, it's pretty cool. Um, and I do not have, I will not share any embarrassing stories of Bobby, nor show any embarrassing pictures. Bobby and I have a peace treaty right now, because he's come down and spoken at Oak Lawn, that we will not disparage each other in front of each other's congregations. So, But Jeanette and I don't have that, so, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't have any pictures of Jeanette that I would put up there, so... Um, But uh, anyway, uh, would you pray with me as we jump into the scriptures today? Uh, Father, I I thank you for uh, the beautiful day, uh, the fact that you love us, and you allow us to gather together as your people to worship you, to hear from you. Lord, I pray that uh, um, you would be uh, glorified in our our worship, in our conversations with one another. Lord, that you would speak uh, through uh, what I have to say. Lord, it would be your words not mine. Um, God, we pray that you would receive all the glory. We thank you for this opportunity, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, when I graduated from Moody, uh, I was uh, living over like North Clybourne area somewhere. I don't remember where I was living at the time, but my roommate from college was uh, living way up north, and we decided we were going to go to church together, and we were going out to uh, Calvary Memorial out in Oak Park. So he came down and picked me up in his car, and, uh, and we're driving um, and I was over here north, close to Moody, and we're driving out to, towards Oak Park. And the further we got out, it was the summer, and uh, the further we got out, the more there was this odd smell in the car. Now, could have been me, could have been him. Didn't know what was going on, but we were, we were driving, and so it was like, mm, okay, that's weird. And so we, uh, we parked in the parking garage up at the top. So now it's uh, summer, we'd been driving, and now there was sun beating down on the car. So we had left the windows cracked a little bit because of the smell. We thought maybe it'll air out. And uh, we come back to the car after church, and the smell had not gotten better. It had gotten much, much worse. And so we were wondering what, what is going on, what is happening. So we get in the car, and we think, well, if we leave the windows open and we start moving, maybe it will air out and it will get better. And we were like, okay, maybe we'll just stop and get some air fresheners. Maybe it's nothing. And so we got about a block and a half down the road, and we just could not handle it. The smell was so terrible. So we pull into this gas station, and we're trying to figure out. We're looking under the seats. We're trying to see someone leave, like, an old hamburger in there. We didn't know what was going on. And so we realized the smell was coming from the engine. We thought, oh, no, had something happened. And we open up the hood, and on the top of the engine was a squirrel who had climbed in there, died, and was now cooking on top of and rotting on top of the engine. So not only had the heat of the engine, but now the heat of the sun. And so there was this wonderful smell that was filling the car because of this squirrel. So we're trying to find sticks, and we're trying to pry it off, and we're trying to clean it off. Anything to get rid of that smell. But to get rid of that smell, we had to get rid of the squirrel, right? We could have put a hundred air fresheners in there. We could have emptied two cans of Febreze, and it would have been fine for a moment, but as soon as that wore off, the smell would come back unless we got rid of the dead squirrel in the engine block. You guys know what I'm saying? Okay, and so we had to take 
care of that. We're working through the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, and we're getting to verse 8 today, and it's, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart, for they shall see God. I don't know about you, but the idea of seeing God is a pretty enticing thing. It's something that I look forward to. It's something that excites me and something that, uh, that, that, that I'm, I hear that. I'm like, yes, that's what I want. But the question is, why is it, does Jesus say, blessed are the pure in heart? What is it about a pure heart that distinguishes them from something else that allows them to see God, right? What is it about a pure heart? And so I want to take a, a quick look at that um, because if we don't start there, what we're doing is we're spraying cans of Febreze in a car with a dead squirrel, okay? And so the reason uh, Jesus says a pure heart, so I want to answer this. One is this, the heart, Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I love this verse. Because if you watch enough movies or TV, somewhere along the way, someone's going to go, just follow your heart. And I always yell at the TV, I'm like, that's terrible advice. (laughs) Terrible advice. Because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. The idea that we would follow our own natural instincts is terrible advice. We're sinful Calvin said that it, the heart is an idol factory, right? Like we can think of all kinds of crazy things come out of the heart of sinful man. And because of it, our hearts are wicked apart from God, right? Titus 1, 15 to 16 says, To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both their minds and their consciences are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for any good work. There's something about the purity that God requires that separates us from what the world sets forth, right? We don't live in a pure world. We take everything. If you're online enough, we take everything and we can distort it, pervert it, and make it terrible, right? We live in a world where the office, you say something, someone's going to say, you guys know what Michael Scott would say, right? Okay? Um, you guys, we can't, a guy can't eat a hot dog anymore. Like, there's all sorts of things that are out there, right? Everyone's laughing because they know it's true. Everyone's turned something, and they've made it detestable. They've made it dirty because, but, like, a, there's, if, you, if you had a five-year-old, They're not thinking anything like that. But our hearts and our minds have become defiled that we we just become desensitized to it. To the pure, though, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled, nothing is pure. Right? That's crazy. But that's the world we live in. But Jesus says it's the pure in heart that will see God. So let's look at that a little more closely. So the first thing is that a pure heart is a new heart that only God can give us, right? A pure heart is a new heart that only God can give us. We cannot purify our own hearts, right? It's easy to take verse 8. If we're going through the Beatitudes, all of new life, and we're, we're taking them one at a time, and it's easy to pluck one of those out and focus on it, which is great, and I think you can do it. But if you, you forget that it's part of a, a longer sermon, it's part of a, a longer context, 
right? That the sermon uh, that, that Jesus preaches, the Sermon on the Mount, it challenged, right, the way of thinking held by the world and the religious leaders of the time. Much of it went against what the world believed and the religious world or religious leaders believed at the time. It was challenging them that, that it wasn't just about their actions, but it was about the heart of the matter, right? The religious leaders were, of those days were focused on their actions and they presented them and the way they presented themselves to the people around them. This is why Jesus, throughout the Gospel of Matthew, if you read it, he calls them or he tells them that they're, they, you say you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me, right? Quoting Isaiah. Um, he tells them that they're like whitewashed tombs. Okay? Jesus is not, he doesn't say, hey, you can look, the outside can look pretty. The outside can look like you have it all together. But if the heart has not been changed, there's still something wrong. He's like, you wash the outside of the cup, but the inside needs to be cleaned. See, what happens is when we try to do the right thing or not do the wrong thing as a way of creating our own righteousness, all we're doing is spraying Febreze in a car that has a rotting squirrel carcass in it. If I just try a little harder, I'll be better. I'm not opposed to trying hard, unless it's my diet, but that's a different story. But I'm not opposed to trying hard. What I'm saying is that trying hard doesn't make us righteous on the inside. Only God can do that. Only through the blood of Jesus Christ can we be made pure. It's only God that can give us a pure heart. That's why in Ezekiel chapter 36, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from your, all your idols, and I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart, a new spirit I will put in you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. It's God that does the work in us. When we seek God first to give us a clean heart. I love Psalm 51. I go through it all the time. I, I like read through it before I'm going to preach. But in Psalm 51, that's where David recognizes his sin and he says, create in me a clean heart, not, oh, pastor, oh, priest, but create in me a clean heart, oh, God, and renew a right spirit within me. And what I love about this is this, is that one, he knew to go to God, but two, he knew he needed it before he was going to continue, right? He says, after that, he says, then I will teach sinners your ways right? We, we want to walk in this world and, and show people that who Jesus is and teach it. It starts with a clean heart that only God can give us. If you're trying to do it by religious activity, you will always fall short. You're cleaning the outside and you need someone to come in and clean the inside. We can be sure of this though, right? That God is the one who, clean, who cleans, cleans us through the blood of Jesus Christ, and only that can make us pure. To be pure in heart means that, that God has come into your life, he saved you by his grace, and through the blood of Jesus has made you clean, called you his own. But the question is, okay, so if, if we believe that, if you, at some point you've given your life to Jesus, you're like, I'm done with trying to do it myself, God has said, okay, I, and you've been given a pure heart. We stand before God 
considered pure because of what Jesus has done. Right? There's no longer a, a, a debt to be paid. It has been paid. And so we stand considered before God pure. But let's be honest, we're still living in these bodies of flesh and purity is not necessarily our strength. But when God gives us a pure heart, he gives it to us for a purpose, right? Way back in the, uh, in, in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, when Bobby and I were doing youth ministry, we would get together with our friends and with some other, uh, you know, some of our students, and we would do these LAN parties. I don't know if any of you guys is. So it's where all the rest of the nerds get together with their computer. They bring your, comp- your computer, including the giant monitors, and you'd fill your car up with it, and you'd be like, and you'd come in, and you'd set it up in a room. Usually we did at a church or at a friend's house, and you'd play all day long. Some of them would play all night long, and I said, I'm only so much of a nerd, so I'm only slain for a little bit. And then, you, you know, you'd play video games all day long, and you would be connected, and it was a ton of fun. Usually a lot of pizza and Mountain Dew were consumed during this time. Um, but one of the things that we learned by doing land parties, more than one, is that uh, what we would often do, Bobby and I, the day before, we'd be in our office at the church, and we would be hard, our, we would take our entire computer hard drive, we'd back it up, and then we would wipe it clean, and we would put a fresh new version of Windows on it, and then we would only install the things we were going to need for the next day. Right? We would take all of the junk that had been piling up, all the stupid videos that we had taken, you know, all the pictures, all of the, you know, the, 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 uh, the PowerPoint presentations, all that stuff, and we would take it all away, and we would set it up so that it was ready for the, what we were ready for, for the video games. So we would take up, and we would wipe the hard drive completely clean, and we would put a new, fresh install of Windows on it. Now we're Mac people, so we don't deal with that. So, um, but we would set up our windows, though, so we would be ready to play the game, right? That was the, that was the idea, is that it had to be clean and ready to go, because if it wasn't, it was going to cause problems. God comes in, and he wipes our sin clean to prepare us for what's coming, to prepare us for what he has for us, clean so that it would perform, that we would perform the way that we're supposed to, Charles Spurgeon says this, Other teachers had been content with outward moral reformation, but Jesus, he sought the, all of the evil, or sought the source of all the evil that he might cleanse the spring from which all sinful thoughts and words and actions come from. He insisted over and over again that until the heart was pure, the life would never be clean. Right? Jesus came so that we might be pure in heart that he might cleanse us of all of our sin. But he came for a reason. He cleanses us for a reason. A pure in heart gives us a new way of living. The pure in heart gives us a new way of living, right? God removes the stain of sin and he gives us a pure heart and then he expects us to live accordingly to do what is right. I worked at Nike Town back in the 90s and uh, Air Force Ones, that's when it was like blowing up thanks to Nelly and all these things. And, um, you know, you got to get your white Air Force Ones and you got to keep them clean, right? And if someone scuffed them or you got them dirty, man, it was over and you had to buy a new pair. And it was like, you get something new, you want to keep it clean. I don't know if you're weird like me, but I'll clean like the house sometimes. I, I do. And like, if I clean the bathroom, I'm like willing to go to McDonald's to use the bathroom because I don't want to dirty what I just cleaned. 
Okay? Anyone, you know, like, I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm good. I want to keep it as clean for as long as possible. Right? It's been clean. I don't want to dirty it up. Jesus has cleansed our heart, right? God has cleansed our heart through the blood of Jesus, and he wants us to do our best to keep it clean. Now, we can't dirty it to where God goes, nah, never mind, you're not mine anymore, right? Like I said, we stand um, pure before the Lord, but our actions can, can stain it, right? It can cover it, and he says that's not how we're supposed to live, right? Titus 2, 11 to 14 says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, training us to uh, renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself uh, for us to redeem us from our lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. This is why Jesus came, to purify us so that we might do the good works that he has set forth for us, right? Ephesians, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God so that no one should boast. But the idea is that to to do the good works that he has prepared for us in advance. Jesus has called us to be his people. He loves us. Yes, we fall short. Yes, we sin. Yes, there's things that go on. But he says, this is the way to live, right? Now, it's not according to what I say or according to what Bobby says or according to what, you know, whatever preacher you're listening to, but it's according to what God says. That's how we are supposed to live. We're saved for God's purpose. He calls us to live lives worthy of the calling, Paul says in Ephesians as well. Now, to live lives of purity is to live according to the word of God and put in, uh, to examine ourselves according to Scripture, right? Do you, I don't know if you guys do this. I, I need to do this more often, but every so often I'll sit down and I'll be like, okay, Lord, as I examine myself, like these are things that I'm doing in my life. How do they stack up to what you say? Now, there are obvious things, right? Like, screaming at people in my car because they don't know how to drive or use a turn signal. People, come on, use a turn signal, right? Like, okay, there are obvious things that I I know I have to deal with, but there are other things that I think that's probably okay. But do I examine according to scripture? Do I think, is this how God expects me to live? Is there something that I need to do or shouldn't do or things that, um, you know, that God is calling me to according to his word? Ezekiel 36, if we continue, 26, it says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you and I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. God gives us a pure heart for a reason, right? It's for his glory. It's for his glory. We benefit greatly, eternally, from the pure heart that God gives us. But he does it for his glory. It changes us, right? And we should cherish that pure heart. 
Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean that we should just go along with it. What does God say about how we are to live our lives according to this new heart that he's given us, this new life that he's given us, the new creation that he's made us? This is the calling of the pure in heart. To be pure in heart has um, a way of living. It's a new way of living. We don't clean ourselves up to see God, right? He cleans us up so we can see him. We're to walk in purity. If someone gave you something new, right? Say someone saved up and they gave you something. You, you, like, you know that it cost them something to give it to you. You cherish it, right? You may have stuff that your parents gave you way back or someone gave you way back and you cherish it. Regardless of what its value is, you still cherish it. Something about it made it special, right? When I got married, my wife gave me this ring in front of everybody and said that she wants to be my wife. I don't know why still, but she did. And, you know, 23 later, we're still together. But um, so she gave me this ring. It's not a fancy ring. It's not worth a great amount of money. But to me, I keep it. And the idea of losing it, like I have a friend who's lost like three wedding rings. And I think to myself, how? How are you still married is the question, not how did he lose it, right? But how, like, to me, that would be, I would be distraught. I thought I, I, thought I lost it a couple months ago. I thought I'd put it in a pocket. I was visiting my mom in Iowa, and I thought I'd put it in a pocket of my jacket, and, uh, and I couldn't find it. And for like a day and a half, I thought it was gone. I checked the car, I tore apart the room I was in, everywhere, I, it was gone. And I was like distraught, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to tell my wife? All, I can't believe I made it this long and I lost it. What a, you know. And it was in there. It was just hidden and I found it. But there was this really, right? I, it was something that I cherished. I wanted to keep it. I want to keep it nice. I want to make sure that I hold on to it. Our hearts that have been purified came at a great cost for Jesus. We've been purchased with the blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And to just go, well, that's great. I'm good. I can do what, go about my day, do whatever I want. That doesn't, we, we're to cherish the heart that God has given us. Right? I said this, God cleans us up, not us. And he cleans us up so that we can see him, right? And that leads us to the truth at the end of this, right? The pure in heart, uh, that a pure heart lets us see God. A pure heart lets us see God. Uh, the expositor's Bible commentary put it this way, the pure in heart will see God now in, with eyes of faith and finally in the da dazzling brilliance of the beatific vision in whose light no deceit can exist, right? So what does it mean to see God? It's this, is that now we see him through eyes of faith, but one day we will see him in the whole. We will see him face to face. yes. Right? Pure in heart will see God. Revelation 22 says that we'll see his face. Revelation 21 says that he will dwell with his people. We will get to be in the, the presence. We'll see his face. I don't know about you, but there are days when that's all I long for. Right? When Paul says, I, I'm ready to go and it's better for me to go, I get it. The older I get, the more I'm like, I'm cool. Right? To see God face to face. Tim, Pastor Tim Keller just passed away. And I told my wife, I'm like, 
Blessed is he who's gone to see the Lord. <laughs> you know, gone in faith to see the Lord, right? He's gone, but he's in the presence of the Lord. The pure in heart will see God. I long for that day when I get to see his face, right? Not because of something I did, not because I somehow purified myself, I used the right words, or I did the right actions, or I just did just enough, right, to balance the scales in my favor. I get to see God because of what Jesus did, because God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansed me of my sin. And I long for that day to see him face to face. But to see God also means right now. To see God also means right now. Now, not physically. God is spirit. We don't see spirit. But we get to see God's hand at work in our lives. I'm sure if we handed out a mic and asked for testimonies of how God worked in your life, you would see God at work, right? Ways that he worked that, that bring glory, right? Down in Oak Lawn, we, we, there are things that, that we talk about that we just praise because God's hand at work. LaMarcus, our worship leader, needing a kidney transplant and God providing a way, right? Things where he was healed because of it. We see God at work in that way. We see him when we, we, we notice changes in our life that we become a little more patient, a little more kind, a little more willing to do the things that God has called us to do. We see God at work in us. We see God when we grow in our knowledge and our understanding of him, right? Maybe you open up the scriptures and today it's like, whoa, that's for me today, right? Like God is speaking to you through his word in that day. You understand who he is a little bit more in your interactions with one another. Or maybe you're looking out in nature and you see, right? Because he says we could see him in nature, okay? That, uh, that we see something and we're like, wow, that's crazy. That's who God is. We see God as we deepen our love for him. We begin to know him more. We see him today, not just in the future. Boy, do I long for those days, but I long to know him more and more each day now. Right? To know him, to understand him, to see him at work. So when I see him face to face, it's like, wow, this is who we've been waiting for this whole time. The pure in heart see God in this life because the veil of sin has been lifted and we're no longer blinded and deceived. We all know people who are on that side of salvation. They're stuck in blindness. They're stuck being deceived that this way of living or these kind of things or this religion is what is going to save them. And maybe you remember being in that spot and you remember the day that God opened up your eyes and that veil was lifted and God gave you a pure heart and you began to see what was true. The words of God came alive. All that had happened in your past that led you to that moment made sense because you could see God clearly. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. I was, uh, when I saw that this was what I was going to be preaching on, the first thing that popped in my head was Psalm 24, verses 3 to 6. It says, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. There you go. There's an old youth group song for you. Who does not lift up his soul 
to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. To stand in the presence of the Lord takes a pure heart, one that only God can give us. And when he does, he expects us to cherish it. As much as he cherishes us, because he's made us pure, not because we always act pure, but because God has made us pure through the sacrifice of Jesus, we get to stand in his presence. To come together and worship together, without the pure heart, it's just people singing. But because God has made us new, we're in his presence together. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands, into pure heart. Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus is pure in heart. He died on a cross for you and for me so that we might have the pure heart that we so desperately need if we want to see God. We can chase it. We can be like the Pharisees and do all the things we think are right, but until we give our lives and surrender over to Jesus, we're like whitewashed tombs. And I encourage you to this. If you're here today, you know God has done a work in you. He's saved you. He's given you that pure heart. Remember the filth that you were pulled out of, right? Your own sin. Washed by the blood of the lamb and given a clean, pure heart. And this new status lets us see God at work now and forever in eternity. Remember where you came from. Some of you are like, well, I was born, grew up in church. I've never really been that bad. I've never done that much. You were still in sin, and God called you out of it. Your sin, however great or little that you believe, was still great in the eyes of the Lord. And he's called us, right, and cleaned us up and made us his children. Remember that. That's our status before him. That's what he's done in us. That's what he continues to do. He's given us his spirit so that we might live according to this clean heart. And we get to see him today in our lives and the lives of people that we love and we get to see him in eternity to come. That's what blessed means. Blessed to see God. Blessed with a pure heart that comes from him. Hey, would you pray with me? And uh, then we'll sing another song. So, Father, we, uh, we thank you for your son Jesus. Lord, thank you for um, the, uh, the way that, uh, that you love us unconditionally, Lord, that you see us in our sin and you call us out of it. Lord, you don't expect us to, to clean ourselves up to come to you, that you'll do that work in us. Lord, thank you for uh, the, 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 the pure hearts in this room that you've made pure through your son, Jesus. Lord, we pray that you would help us to live according to that. Lord, that we would listen to your spirit and your guiding. Lord, that we would um, be obedient to your word. And God, that you would be glorified in all of it. Father, we thank you that we have a hope of seeing you face to face. Lord, let us hold on to that. 
And God, we, uh, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.